Hi, welcome back to the Baseball Plug. I'm your host, Micah Fleshman. Alongside me is my co-host and good friend, Nicholas Bear. Nick, how's it going? I'm doing well, Micah. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Blake Snell is going to San Diego. Josh Bell's headed to the Nats. Tom McCainley is shipped off to Hollywood in the NL East wish list. Let's dive in. So, breaking news very late at night, around 8.23 Pacific time, Jeff Passan tweets out that Blake Snell would be headed out to San Diego. They're finalizing a deal with the Rays to bring former Cy Young winner to the San Diego Padres. He will be their ace. What does this mean for the Tampa Bay Rays? But more importantly, what does this mean for the San Diego Padres? Nicholas Bear, take it away. This means more for the Dodgers. The Dodgers finally have a good competition in the NLS. The Dodgers for the past eight years haven't really had much competition. The Padres were a little bit of competition this past year in the 60-game season, but now the San Diego Padres are right there neck and neck with the Dodgers if you want to look at pitching. It's huge. It's a bombshell. It's the biggest news we've had all year. I'm pumped. I know you're pumped. This is very big stuff. Uh, The deal would include um, Blake Snell going to San Diego, as we mentioned, Luis Patino, Catcher Francisco Mejia, pitcher Cole Wilcox, and Blake Hunt, another young catcher, would all be shipped off to Tampa Bay. And I say, I sound like a broken record. I'm sure I'm going to say it later when we discuss other topics. That prospects, we don't know what they're going to be because they are not major league ready players. Uh, Blake Snell is a proven bona fide ace. He's a Cy Young Award winner. He is an all star. This is an incredible move. For the San Diego Padres, and I personally think the Tampa Bay Rays, they may be a third-place team. They, they're, they're, their pitching is what carried them. They had a very solid bullpen. We know that. Nick Anderson looked broken in the playoffs. Um, they have a good rotation. They lost their two best players in Morton and Snell. This could be a team facing third place, uh, facing a third-place finish in 2021. Because let me tell you something. The Toronto Blue Jays are really fucking good, and they're going to be good for the rest of the year and for a long time to come. Well, now we have a team that made the World Series last year that's going to be probably battling it out for the wild card. The Blue Jays will probably be in the mix for the wild card as well. Like you said, they're really good. But the Yankees right now are the clear favorite in the AL East. I believe the Yankees run away with the AL East at this point. But it's going to be tough for the Rays to make it even in the wild card now. And let me tell you something. As a Yankees fan, I know I know this is just pure audio so you guys can't see it. Uh, you know, I, I went over to my flag. I've got a Yankees poster in the back of my room. And I went over and I just gave it a little kiss. I was like, yeah. You know, I, I there was no question in my mind that we were the better team with Snell and even with Morton on that team. But let me tell you something. This is just a great – it's a great day. It's like a – it's a belayed Hanukkah present. It's a delayed Christmas present to Yankee fans worldwide. This is wonderful news. I'm happy for Snell. Um, you know, he's a, he's a big personality. I had a feeling he was going to be traded. We knew they weren't actively shopping him. But this, this is my raw emotion, everybody. I, this is your raw emotion too, Nicholas. This, this, it's huge. It's very big news. And as somebody who, who's, who hates the way that the MLB does the offseason, the way that it's so slow, the fact that we get a bombshell like this, it, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I'm, I'm beyond myself. This is huge news. You know, this shows... This is, this is just the way small market teams operate, though. The, the 
the Tampa Bay Rays, they're a small market team. They probably couldn't afford to extend Blake Snell to the contract he wanted to. So therefore, they had to ship him off to the Padres, who are a bigger market than the Rays. I'm not saying the Padres are a huge market. They're still a bigger market. And, you know, this just continues what the Padres have been doing since the middle of last year at the trade deadline. They were making trades left and right. I think they traded for, like, at least 10 new players in the middle of last season. A.J. Preller has always been the guy that just goes out and makes splashy moves. But this is this is a really good move for the Padres. Like I said earlier, it makes them contenders with the Dodgers in that division. And now the Rays are possibly headed towards a rebuild, maybe? Yeah, let me tell you something. This is wonderful news. This is amazing. I'm very, very, very happy. The Rays are headed towards the rebuild. And let me tell you something. People thought, oh, the Rays are going to be very good for years to come. And they just lost the two best pitchers on that staff. And let me tell you something. Their offense is... I'm not going to say it's subpar. It's par. It's an average offensive vest. Like, you know, when G-Man Choi's are starting first, this is not a knock on G-Man Choi. People love the guy. I think he's a pretty good player. But when he's your starting first baseman, you know you're doing something wrong. And this is not the elite team that most people thought they were. As a Yankee fan, I saw right through their little mind games and what they were trying to perceive to everyone is, oh, we're going to be the next big thing. The Rays had that very small window of opportunity, and that was 2020. That was their very, very, very small window of opportunity. Let me tell you something. It is not fair to Rays fans and to the organization. Uh, It's not fair to them. They don't make enough money. (coughs) I'll let that out. They don't make enough money. So there's nothing they can do about it, right? So, I, I mean, it's unfortunate. They missed out on a very big opportunity to win the World Series this year, but I don't, I don't think we'll see them in the World Series for a very long time. You know, the best comparison to me, the Indians in 2016 when they made the World Series, they're a small market team. That was their window of opportunity. And as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, it seems like the Cleveland Indians are going to trade Francisco Lindor. And the reason being is they are also a small market team who cannot afford to extend their franchise player, Francisco Lindor. This is just the reality of small market teams. It hurts for the fans. I'm sure it puts them in a lot of pain. They have very small windows of opportunities to win, like you mentioned, but this is just the way business is done. And certain teams like the Dodgers or Yankees have advantages because they're in a bigger market. And you know what? Francisco Lindor hasn't been traded to this point. Obviously, we all know that nothing's really happened uh, that, that's been big until now. I think the biggest move pending this move was the Josh Bell trade, which speaks for itself, that we'll talk about a bit later. But I think this opens up the floodgates. I think, I think Blake's now getting traded breaks down that big wall where free agents weren't going to sign and players weren't going to get traded and all that. And as somebody who produces content on a podcast that's been struggling to get content during the offseason, I'm excited. I think baseball fans should be excited. It's, it's wonderful news. It's, it's great. It is. I, I do, like you said, I do hope that this breaks the wall, per se, where we start seeing more activity among free agents and other trades because I'm, we're both pretty certain there's going to be more trades. This is not going to be the only big trade this offseason. Um, but, you know, we're headed into the new year, and I think after the new year, we're really going to start to see things pick up. 
I agree, but December 27th, 2020, that's it's a big day. It's a big day for baseball. It's a big day for the Tampa Bay Ray organization fan base. It's a big day for the Padre fan base and organization. So once again, the players that were traded in order for Blake Snell to go across the country to San Diego, second top prospect, Luis Patino. Um, also in the deal would be catcher Francisco Mejia, pitcher Cole Wilcox, and another catcher, a young one at that, Blake Hunt. So those are the four players that are being shipped off to the Tampa Bay farm system in order for Snell to go to San Diego. And let me tell you something. I know I sound like a broken record, but they are just prospects. They are not major league ready players until they prove that they are better than Blake Snell. Blake Snell is going to be a stud in that Padre uniform. And we don't know what those players are going to be like in the Ray uniform. So by the way, guys, if you, if you're questioning the Rays' decision here, you should. If you're questioning the Padres' decision here, you shouldn't. The Padres won this deal, and it's not even close. So we talked about the Snell deal. Let's talk about Josh Bell. So December 24th, 2020, multiple days ago, Josh Bell was officially traded to the Washington Nationals for Will Crow and Eddie Yeen. They're both prospects, and they're both pitchers. Nick, what does this mean for Washington? This means that the Ryan Zimmerman era is just about over if not for sure, over in Washington. He has been known as Mr. Washington or Mr. National ever since he's been with the team. He's been with the team since the beginning for his career. But Josh Bell is now the starting first baseman for the Nationals. And Josh Bell had a really great start to the 2019 season. Everyone knows he was actually one of the better players um, with 27 home runs, 84 RBIs, um, batting over 300, had an on-base percentage over 370. And then in the second half after the All-Star break, it went downhill for Bell. So we don't really know what we're going to get out of Bell. We know he's a middle-of-the-pack to top 10 first baseman in the league. He's a good player. There's no denying that. The Nationals won this trade. They are getting a very good player in Josh Bell. But is he going to be the 2019 pre-All-Star game, Josh Bell? That's the question. I don't think so. I mean, I know that this past season, it was only 60 games. So you kind of have to put an asterisk next to everyone who had a bad season just because you – it's the pandemic. No one really knows if this was an actual bad season for Josh Bell or if it was just a one-off. But his bad season this this year was a trend that continued from the second half of last year. And as you said, his first and second half splits in 2019 were just a complete 180 for him. So it's a good pickup for the Nationals, but there's a lot of risk to it as well. Right. I mean, we don't really know. I, and I said it time and time again, and I may sound like a broken record, but when trading a prospect for a major league ready player, it's they're just at their prospects. So you don't know what you're going to get. You can get a once in a lifetime player like Will Crow or Eddie Yeen could become the next Max Scherzer or Garrett Cole or Jacob deGrom. But they could also become, I don't know, the next nobody. Like, I don't want to pinpoint a player's name, but we don't know what they're going to be. High hopes 
is what the Nationals had for them. But how high were those hopes? They just shipped them off to Pittsburgh where, you know, they may get some major league playing time this year because that team is so bad. I mean, Bell had a really, really bad 2020. And like you said, we can take everything with a grain of salt because of the shortened season. But I mean, if you have an on-base percentage lower than 310, that's very concerning. And this is a guy who walks a good amount. He, he had a 220 batting average, which I don't know if batting average is something that we should be looking at. I think I look at on-base more than that. But if you're getting on-base at a sub-310 rate, that's alarming to me. Yeah, I mean, those uh, getting on base at a sub-310 rate almost feels like video game numbers because I can tell you that, uh, from experience that I'm not that good at getting on base in video games. But I think also the Nationals needed someone in the infield to fill the spot of Anthony Rendon, who they lost to the Angels. And I think that's what they're trying to get in Josh Bell. They're banking on his first half of the 2019 season being what he actually is as a player and that this past season was just a one-off because of the pandemic. I think that's what they're hoping for. He's not hes not an Anthony Rendon type player. I'm not saying that, but he is also a switch hitter, so he can bat from the right side as well. But I think they're looking for someone in the infield to kind of fill in that Anthony Rendon type of role. I mean, Rendon's a very, very good player. Um, first, I mean, I would say he's the second best third baseman in the league. I think Nolan Arenado still holds the crown for the best third baseman in the league. But Josh Bell's a first baseman. We've seen him play a bit of right field. He's awful defensively. There's no sugarcoating it. He's very bad defensively. So if he doesn't give you a very good bat, he's not worth that much. And the Nationals are taking a risk here. It could pan out very good for them. They could look like they could they could look like some very smart humans up in that front office, but it could also look really bad because they need a major league ready player. Josh Bell is that, but what kind of player is he really going to be? It's not huge news, but it has the opportunity to be huge news. I guess we haven't really gotten a lot of news, so we're going to try to stretch this story out as much as we really can. If this works out for the Nationals, then it's great, but it's a big risk too because they gave away two pitching prospects and Max Serger. And Steven Strasburg are getting up there in age. Steven Strasburg, uh, coming off the first year of his seven-year extension, had an injury. He was out most of the year. Max Serger was hurt on and off. So this is a big risk for the Nationals, risking the future of their rotation. Because I think the Nationals, if Strasburg and Scherzer were healthy, I think the Nationals are a playoff team last year. But they're banking on adding more offense and getting rid of future, um, uh, future pitching instead. Yeah, Scherzer's 36. So, I mean, I he's an older player. Strasburg is in the mid, I think the early 30s, late 20s. But they're pitchers, and pitchers are so hot and cold, right? We, like, they're the dominant pitchers, the Jacob deGroms, the, the Garrett Coles, the Shane Bieber's even. I'd put him in an elite tier, even just seeing one really good year with him. I think Shane Bieber's an elite pitcher. <sighs> Max Scherzer's getting up there in age, and I hate to be that guy, but if I see Max Scherzer on the hill, I'm not I'm not dumping myself. I'm not scared. I'm like, okay, that's a very good pitcher, but he is no longer a top three pitcher in baseball. I agree with you completely. I believe if, if the Nationals come out and have a slow start to next season, whenever next season may start, 
I believe we could see Max Scherzer possibly traded at the trade deadline, if not by the end of next year. Because with his age and the Nationals possibly having another losing season, if they don't do well next year, they may want to hit the rebuild. And they would they would focus the rebuild around young guys such as outfielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell. Yeah, they've got a really good young core. Soto's going to be a top five player in baseball. I mean, I I know he's very early in his career, but that kid's a Hall of Famer. That kid is so unbelievably talented. And the fact that we get to watch him and we're going to watch him play his whole 20-year career, baseball fans, take a second, turn the Nationals game on. I know they're not the most exciting team, but watch Juan Soto play baseball. He is so incredibly talented. And Nationals fans, you guys really hit gold with that kid. They have a good young core. Keyboom is, is, is a high prospect at third base. I think he's going to be pretty good. Bell's at first. He's going to be a serviceable. Second base is Stalin Castro, who, by the way, could get 3,000 hits in his career. I'm a Yankees fan, and I'm a huge Stalin Castro fan. I loved him when he played for us for those two years. He's a great player. He's very good. He goes under the radar. He does not get the love that he deserves. At shortstop, they have Trey Turner. He's incredible. He's a very good player. Catcher is kind of a question mark over there, as it seems to be for most teams. They've got a good team. I think they need bullpen help. I think they're going to need starting pitching help. But their lineup is very scary. With some of the right pieces, they're not far from being a good team again. I completely agree with you. I I also agree with you on your Juan Soto take. My first big moment of Juan Soto is actually when he hit the game-time solo home run off of Clayton Kershaw in game five of the 2019 NLDS. I was there in a suite watching that game. And watching Juan Soto did what he did, that's when I knew he was for sure special. I mean, he had already been great even before that home run, but to come up in a situation like that in your first, I believe it might have even been his first full season that year, to come up against Clayton Kershaw, who, of course, historically is a choker in the playoffs, but still, it's Clayton Kershaw, left-handed pitcher against a left-handed batter, Juan Soto absolutely crushed that ball. So that's when I knew he would be something special. And and you brought up that playoff hit. People forget the Trent Grisham play in right field that caused the that caused Washington to move on and eventually win the World Series. Soto hit that baseball. That was a single that was going to score two runs. Soto hit that ball right. He, there there were two outs and he hit it off Josh Hader. Might I add, who's one of the better relievers in baseball, and he's a lefty. He's so unbelievably talented, that kid. And, you know, uh, my expectations are incredibly high for him. And he just can he, – he's a great player. He's so unbelievably good. So, Washington, you, you got a good one. You definitely got a good one. Juan Soto is the left-handed version of TJ LeMahieu for me. I agree. So, spoke about – we just talked about DJ LeMahieu who is a former Yankee. Hopefully he's re-signed. Let's talk about a former Yankee who's now in L.A. That's Tommy Canely. He signed a two-year, $4.75 million deal. Canely declined a minor league assignment from the Yankees, which declared uh, where he declared free agency. He received Tommy John surgery this offseason, so he'll be out for 2021. I think this means for L.A. that it's a low-risk, very, very high-reward 
type of thing. Canely's a very good pitcher. I got to see him pitch as a Yankee fan, being the seventh or eighth inning guy for us. He's very good. He's a he's got a wipeout changeup that tails away from lefties. He's got an electric fastball and a good slider as a third pitch. He's a very good player. I know his teammates love him. We saw Zach Britton, who's the Yankees' eighth inning guy. When that tweet was put out, the Canyon was going to the Dodgers, he put out a gif where it was a guy like hanging his head and walking solemnly. His teammates love him. He's a presence in that clubhouse. He's a very good pitcher. We don't know what he's going to be after this Tommy John surgery, but if he turns out to be very bad, the Dodgers have him on the books for sub $5 million, right? So it's very low risk, high reward. Nick is a Dodgers fan. How excited are you? I, I really like the move. And this is a very Andrew Friedman type move. Ever since Andrew Friedman has been with the Dodgers, he's always been one of those guys that goes out and gets relievers on a bargain deal. Talk about Brandon Morrow in 2017. The guy was a stud in 2017. Unfortunately, we overworked him and he kind of tired out once the playoffs rolled around. But then let's go to this past season with Blake Trinan. Blake Trinan. 2018 All-Star with the Oakland Athletics as a closer. 2019, he dropped off. 2020, he came over to Dodgers. He was solid. And, of course, he was on the team that won the World Series. So this is just another Andrew Friedman-type move, uh, low risk, high reward. And the reason we signed him to a two-year deal also is not just because he's out for this year, but Kenley Jansen and Joe Kelly are both off the books after this coming season. So the Dodgers needed someone else as a seventh or eighth inning guy. I don't think Kane is a ninth inning guy. And also this probably means to me that at, at worst, we bring back Pedro Baez on a one-year, very cheap deal. But I think at the end of the day, I think Pedro Baez is walking, but the Dodgers are really planning for 2021 with this move. And to be honest, and, and I'm a very big Dodger hater. That's notorious with me. I don't like the team. And I know that may upset the few people that listen to this show. I don't like the team at all. I, I don't like the way that some of them carry themselves. And to be honest, I don't think they're as good as people think they're going to be in 2021. Maybe that's the bias Yankee fan in me talking. I see I see some holes in that team that I think, yeah, yeah, you're flipping me off. But hey, I I, I that's honest. I think that the Braves are definitely the better team, but let's whatever. Um <sighs> Kaneley's good. He's good, but the Dodgers need more bullpen help, man. It, and it's it's going to be evident because Jansen's not the player he used to be. I mean, is China a free agent? I think he's a free agent. Yeah, we only gave him a one-year deal last year. So he's a free agent. I know they're interested in Liam Hendricks, but, hey, that's only one guy, even if they sign him. We'll see. It's a very low-risk, high-reward move. I'm sad to see Tommy Canely walk, but it is what it is. Best of luck to you, Tommy, in L.A. If the Yankees don't win a ring, I hope you do. So that's going to take us into our third topic. And we mentioned this in the cold open, and that's going to be wish lists for each division. So something that we're going to be doing is every episode we're going to be picking a new division, whether that be the NL East, the AL East, the AL West, you get the gist of it. And we're going to take the five teams in that division and pinpoint the one thing that they need the most in order to be successful and then for those few teams kind of win the World Series. So that's what we're going to be doing this episode. And this episode, the team and division we're going to be doing it for is the NL East. So the teams there are the Braves, the Mets, the Marlins, the Phillies, and the Nationals. And in my opinion, this is going to be the most interesting division. 
yeah, this is always a very competitive division. At least going into the season, it always looks like it. Right now, the Braves, I believe we can both agree, are the best team in that division. But looking at the division, if the Nationals stay healthy, like we mentioned in the opener with Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer, I could totally see the Nationals being the playoff team. I mean, they won the World Series in 2019. The Philadelphia Phillies, they have the talent. It's just that they haven't really executed on the field. The New York Mets, I mean, they're always an iffy team, but they definitely have the talent. I don't disagree with that. And the Miami Marlins, I mean, they were a surprise team last year. I'm not saying in a 162-game season they'd be a great team, but, hey, you never really know. I, I, they're – you can make an argument for every team in that division making the playoffs. They're all very good. So let's start with the Braves. And I think their main need is Marcel Zuna or Adam Duvall back. And if none of those players, then some sort of outfield depth, right? We, we don't think that the DH is going to be in the NL in 2021. Terrible move, man, Fred, by the way. You're shaking your head. I'm shaking my head. So they need outfield help. They let Duvall walk. Uh, they not tenured him. That was an awful move. Osuna's obviously a free agent. They took a gamble with him, and that paid off. They got Christian Pache. They've got Ronald Acuna Jr. Marquegas is a free agent. Enciarte is on their team, I believe. But we, I think he's more of a fourth outfielder. I think they need outfield help. I think Marcelo Zuna or Adam Duvall back is what they need the most. They're fine in the infield. They have... MVP Freddie Freeman, they have Ozzy Albies. I mean, they even have a great outfielder right now in Ronald Acuna Jr., like you mentioned. I mean, he can be an MVP Ken in the future. He almost was the last season. So they definitely need a Marcelo Zuna type guy. Another thing, another guy that I'm thinking about, possibly, but I don't think so, is Michael Brantley. I mean, he's left-handed, so I don't know if they would want another left-handed batter alongside Freddie Freeman. But if uh if if Marcelo Zuna is asking for too much, I could see Michael Brantley actually being a cheaper option. And I think Michael Brantley is the better player. He hits for better average, and he still gets you the home runs and the RBIs that you need. He's a great middle-of-the-order guy. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Brantley's really good. Um, Mets is going to be starting rotation depth and help, and hopefully people don't get injured. So we all know that no Syndergaard shows up to City Field in an ambulance every day because that kid just can't stay on the field. He can't stay on the bump. Um, that's a Yankee fan talking. My, you know, our players should show up to the field with saran wrap and bubble tape on them or whatever it is, you know, the packing peanuts on them because they get injured every 10 seconds. But that's what the Mets need. They need starting rotation help and depth. Uh, Michael Walker just went to the – he went to the Rays. I don't, good for him, I guess. Syndergaard's a very good two-player. DeGrom, obviously, the best pitcher in baseball. If you think that he's not, you need to get yourself checked. He's the best pitcher in baseball, and there's no contest there. But they have one and two. I think Stroman's a good three. I think they paid way too much for him, but he's a good three. Um, They need a four and a five player. Uh, I think that teams can survive with four with four starters and maybe an opener for that fifth day. I really do think that that's what baseball is going to come to in the near future, but they need, they need to go out and and get that starting pitcher. And we all know that Steve Cohen took over and he's ready to spend money and he's a great presence wherever and whenever. And Mets fans look at him as their savior, but they need to go out and get a starter. And I think Trevor Bauer's that guy. I think I have, I've had Trevor Bauer going to Queens and I don't see it not happening but that's what they need is starting pitching help. The Mets' playoff chances all rely on the uh, health 
and depth of their starting rotation. If they can get Noah Syndergaard back healthy, then I think they're fine. If they could also add Trevor Bauer, then I think that takes them over the top and makes them uh, for almost a lock for the playoffs with that pitching staff. Because if you can add Trevor Bauer to healthy Noah Syndergaard, to the best pitcher in baseball and Jacob DeGrom, and you can make an argument that Trevor Bauer is a top three pitcher in baseball and uh, a solid a solid pitcher in Marcus Stroman, I think that's one of the best, if not the best, rotation in baseball right there. So I think their hopes rely solely on their starting rotation. It's definitely in contention with the Braves for the best rotation in baseball. So we addressed the Mets. We addressed the Braves. Let's address the other M team. That's the Marlins. And they're going to need to continue on an upward-facing trend, uh, positive progress in that organization, and they need bullpen help. It's it's that simple. I feel like what sets a team over the hump a lot of times is bullpen because it's become a bigger and bigger thing in baseball. Uh, obviously, bullpens eat up four or five innings sometimes on a daily basis, and their best pitcher is Yimi Garcia. So that says enough in itself. Not a knock on Garcia. He's a solid pitcher, but he's not a top-of-the-line pitcher, and he should not be the best pitcher in that pen. He definitely shouldn't be the best pitcher in the pen, but he's definitely a good seventh or eighth inning guy. I'll give the Marlins that. But they just don't have any depth in the bullpen right now. I honestly couldn't name you one guy out of Yimi Garcia from that bullpen. But, you know, I also I, – I got to give a lot of credit here to Don Mattingly. And as a Dodger fan, I actually don't like Don Mattingly too much. I just don't think he was that, that good at all. He was never good with the clubhouse. But, hey, you know, he he fought through a lot of things this past year with the team. I mean, the team had the COVID outbreak, and they went to the playoffs. They even won in the first round against the Cubs. So, credit to them. But, you know, the Marlins, I mean, they weren't even supposed to be good last year. This puts them a little bit ahead of time in their rebuild or what they what was supposed to be a rebuild. So, like you said, the bullpen is usually what puts teams over the top. So, if the Marlins do want to continue on their upward trend in a longer season, they must get more bullpen help than just Yumi Garcia. Agreed. The Phillies... That's really simple. It's money and execution. That team cried poor. We don't think they're going to sign Rio Muto. That, that's their first uh-oh. That's their first oopsie. And the second thing is execution. They've got a really good team. They probably do need some bullpen help. They do. Uh, they actually had the worst bullpen in baseball, a 6.52 bullpen ERA. So maybe we can throw that in there with money. But they need money, more money, and more bullpen players. I mean, if you looked at the team on paper, they're one of the most talented teams out there. But for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to execute. And now, unfortunately, they don't have the money because they give they gave Bryce Harper this really big contract. Um, they overpaid for Zach Wheeler, who we already talked about a couple of weeks ago. So now they have no more money. They may not be able to bring back JT Realmuto. It pisses off Bryce Harper. They still have Gene Segura. I mean, the Phillies are one of the most confusing teams in baseball to me right now. I don't, I, I don't get it with them. They should not be a 500 team. I completely agree. Let's go to the last team. We already talked about them, so it'll be brief, and that's the Nationals. It's bullpen helping a third baseman. Uh, it, it, it'll be pretty brief here. Um, they're, they're a good team. We talked about that. They just need a few a few arms in the pen. I hate to sound like a broken record, but, it, you know, it's true. 
everybody needs bullpen help, especially in that division. And a third baseman to fill that void for Anthony Rendon. Keyboom can play short. He can play third. We know they have uh, Trey Turner at shortstop. Keyboom has been kind of mm, iffy around the hot corner, especially defensively. So that's what they need is third baseman and bullpen help. That's about it, really. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say except to keep stressing uh, stressing how much teams need help in the bullpen. I mean, like you said earlier, it's normal for bullpens to now pitch four or five innings, so they need a lot of depth. Every team does. Some teams have it. Some teams don't. Uh, some, uh, like the Dodgers last year, I mean, they had a lot of bullpen depth, so that's what helped them a lot besides the fact that they – yes, they did. Come on, stop with the face. Um, but the Nationals, they're just – I mean, they, they actually won the World Series with not a great bullpen in 2019, but it's going to be hard to do that again. I mean, I doubted them in 2019, so I don't think they do it again. Uh, but, yeah, just bullpen help and uh, see if they can replace uh, their third baseman. I agree. Thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episode of The Baseball Plug. I'm your host, Micah Fleischman. And I'm Nicholas Bear. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Micah underscore 0416. That is at Micah, M-I-C-A-H underscore 0416. And on Instagram at EnvyMicah, that is at E-N-V-Y-M-I-C-A-H. And you can follow me on Twitter at NicholasBear7. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-B-A-E-R and the number seven. And on Instagram at NicholasGolfer. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-G-O-L-F-E-R. Again, thank you for tuning in, everyone. Happy New Year. Peace out. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Michael Fleischman. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Baseball Plug. If you enjoyed, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really means a lot to us. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day.